Welcome to the Wind Down. It's your girl Kale and your girl Tia. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about black faces and white spaces. All right, Tia. So today we're talking about black faces and white spaces. We both know how that goes. Like going to a PWI, working in corporate America, you know, just living everyday life, going to the grocery store. Jewel. Girl. Mariano's. Whole Foods. Anywhere in between where the white people work. White people live. Down the street. So, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is how sometimes when you're in white spaces, specifically, you know, in school and work, right. corporate America, right. uh, the lack of respect for black, the black experience or um, black people and just being in our existence i think that sometimes our experiences get a little bit away from people who are outside of our cultures because they just truly don't understand or they have a lack that they you know have in themselves that they want to try to understand and it's so unfortunate you know like for instance at my job we didn't get martin luther king day off and it's not something you know that you that you think about when you work amongst a lot of um caucasian people like why didn't you do it you know what Mm. i'm saying and people are like oh happy mlk day happy mlk day and i'm like do you really understand like what it is that you're saying or are you only saying that because we didn't get the day off like you know what i'm saying like would you be saying that if we got the day off Mm. and i don't think that they truly understand like what our experience is and why that day is so important to us not just to have it off but to celebrate the accomplishments that came from it so i guess you know this is probably segueing into something else but to bring up mlk you know we're still in um during black history month Mm -hmm. and you know black history month was you know created because of you know carter g wilson and black history week um and just even talking about martin luther king the lack of understanding for him or black people and their accomplishments period right i mean it's sad that it took for him to die uh for him to be killed and then you know you have white people like oh my gosh martin luther king was so amazing but he wasn't so amazing in 1968 exactly that people wanted to try to come out and kill him or that people didn't even buy that's much buy into his dream but people didn't want to advocate for his dream 100 percent. don't get me wrong there were people who did do that but for the people who didn't see it and for the people who still don't see it until Teach their children that they don't have to see it is unfortunate because it's a Amer- it's a part of American history as a whole, but it's also a part of our history as an African American community, and it's so unfair and it's so unfortunate. Yeah, I think you know, working in corporate America as a African American female, it's it's hard because you come in and you have to um, adapt to the culture where you are but you know like you know right now because they're trying to pass like the crown act you can't wear your hair the way you want to isn't that so crazy like you ma'am sir get to grow up and you wear your hair however you want it grows out of your head however it wants but when my hair grows out of my head and I want to style it however I want, it's an issue. Or even just maybe like the conversation around hair. Because think about black women and their mm-hmm. hair. It is a statement. It is mm-hmm. a staple and a statement. Men too. 
But for black women, we have so many different opportunities to change our look just simply on our hair and our Mm -hmm. color. And think about in those spaces where you're amongst the others Mm -hmm. and you're having that conversation about, you know, what it is that you may want to do with your hair or something. You always have to like pull yourself back a little bit because it's like one if you change it up too much, it'll be the talk. Mm. Like, oh, you know, Tia has a new hairstyle. Oh, Tia got a new haircut. Oh, Tia got a new hair color. Whereas for them, it's like, oh, I just got highlights and I just trim my hair a little bit. But it still looks the, the same. same. Facts. Yeah, that's true. I just think, like, even when, you know, when I was working um, in corporate America or whatever, and I would go in and my hair would be different. And at the time, I was the only black female in the office it was another um black woman that worked there but she was rarely there so i was the only black female in the office and i changed my hair fairly often but a lot of times i would wrap wrap mm-hmm, just like in mm-hmm, school you know mm-hmm. i would wear turbans and stuff like that and i was having a conversation about it and i was like you know i just put my th- i was like i just threw my turban on today because i feel like doing my hair and one of the ladies she you know she's white or whatever she's like oh i thought you wore it because you love to wear i'm like i do but that doesn't negate the fact that it's just like throwing on a hat like okay i didn't feel like doing my hair so this is another option and another form of fashion pretty much basically mm-hmm. um i think too that so let me ask you this why do you feel it's like our job you know some people think it's in the minority's job to educate white people about blackness or white people about not necessarily blackness but how um they either uphold from day to day white supremacy and their privilege you know why do you think we you know white people think they come to us to educate them or free them from where they are in that regard i feel like they feel guilty mm-hmm. and That's they white fragility okay. yeah and they come to us to try to help them get out of that because they they feel Mm. guilty in the sense that they know that they've been brainwashed and they know that their parents didn't do a great job at making sure that they understood so they come to us so they can hear the truth Mm -hmm. and try to remove that guilt from their hearts but then don't just come to me and get the information actually implement the information Mm -hmm. you know because it's one thing to be like grandpa joe was incorrect in what it was that he taught me but don't let little marcus or matthew grow up without you then telling them what it is that you found or even like in corporate america you know how like there there's this new thing now i don't know if it's it's not new so don't get me wrong it's not new but it's on the horizon when it comes to diversity and inclusion Mm. and when you think about diversity and inclusion who's usually heading those departments is usually african-american women not men Mm -hmm. women number one it's problematic in the sense that black men sometimes can't hold power roles within corporations because they're probably seen as too powerful or not being able to get not that they can't get their points across but white men having fragile egos when it comes to a black man letting them know what they need to do and then two you have this woman in there that's trying to help change the dynamic of a company Mm -hmm. and bring in more people who look like her or just people of color and it's hard because those people those you know people in those secluded quote-unquote cliques don't really want the diversion diversion and inclusion i mean diversity and inclusion i'm sorry so are they just trying to 
get their affirmative action credit by starting this department? That's a that's a very good point because I know um, where I was working, we had a nice size diversity because the company's big. Yeah. So our di- diversity inclusion um, entity, lack of a better word, um, was had a, and it was a nice size and it was it was many different people of color so you had asian people you have black women you had black men you had gay white men you had all different uh, aspects but what i've noticed is that things where um and within diversity and inclusion and the the call to action is like okay making sure what at this particular company making sure that we hired or, or not just hired, but elevating people of color, specifically mm-hmm. um, African Americans and Latino people, but more yep. African Americans to um, position like higher positions, so, so executives or directors or vice president, things of that nature. Yep. You have, you know, the the you may have people that of color that work for your company but it's at the bottom right. so how many black people you know at fortune 500 companies that are in roles of management it's yeah. very far few far in between and so even within that you have you know women black women climbing the corporate ladder but it's in those spaces where they either they're they may be a director or whatever but they don't have any direct reports to kind of pull that person up with them right or to mentor them or anything of that nature so it's very interesting also i think you know when you are a person of color in corporate america or we haven't even touched about schools um going to a white school you have to be that token black person oh we're about to get the to to, to to um what am i trying to say you have to be that token black person to show like okay well all black people are not like this or yeah. you know what especially if you're working with people who've never worked with black people before exactly. so, you, so you have the burden of representation for a whole group of people and black people aren't mo- monoliths so it's like we don't every black person you come in, co- in contact with is different and very different we we come in all different shapes sizes colors and experiences, experiences everything. and everything so i think you know that is a big big co- component to um being black in corporate america being black in you know um positions of power being like you said being black trying to work in an area that could help a company open their eyes to different types of people but it's hard when you're trying to educate the people that don't really want to be educated that makes sense no that makes a lot of sense and let's segue into being an african-american at a pwi And the reason why I said let's segue there is because in one of my African-American studies classes, I I know you remember this story. Mm -hmm. Um, The first week of school and the second week of school, all of the classes are field, you know, the African-American studies classes are field because they fall under those. What is that? The humanities um, Um, credit that you have to get you. It's required. Right, right. However, if anybody's listening and you haven't been to a higher learning institution the first two weeks of school 
are really critical because what you'll do is you'll get into a class you'll pick it to to check off your requirements Mm -hmm. and then by the third week of school you're able to drop the class Mm -hmm. and then you don't have to fulfill that requirement for that semester and Mm -hmm. then you can go back and you can find something else that suits you Mm -hmm. so in this particular class my teacher well my professor Mm -hmm. sorry was a black woman dr davis who had been to africa Mm -hmm. four times who taught at the University of Illinois, um, and she was just at our institution, you know, as a as a visiting professor. And I loved her because she brought to our class a different perspective. Not only did she know about the Black Panther Party, but she was friends with people who were in the Black Panther Party. So she just came to us with this wealth of knowledge that I could appreciate. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there was a, a gentleman. I don't, I don't know his name. I didn't even waste time to get to know him. But he was born and raised in a small, rural, white town. No black people, period. None at all. So when he got to college and they were telling him that the only class that he could sign up for was an African-American studies class, he admitted it that he told his counselor that he was going to drop the minute that they allowed him to mm-hmm. because he did not feel the need to learn about stuff that was not true his exact words not true what does he mean by not Not true true. he did he didn't believe that slavery existed he didn't believe that people were segregated he didn't believe that african-american men women and children were not afforded the same opportunities as whites because his father was a white farmer who you know made money for them who got out and worked and did that and that's how everybody should act and that's how everybody should operate their families however he didn't understand that there was an inequality in america and the inequality had nothing to do with money Mm -hmm. it started first with the color of your skin Mm -hmm. and another friend of mine in the class myself and the teacher we're like really going at it with him because we're like just how in the simplest terms how dumb could you be right and how insensitive could you be not that everybody in this class has experienced some level of you know racism or some level of um segregation because at this point you know everything has pretty much happened at Mm -hmm. this point you know the things that we're learning however i have family who've experienced it Mm -hmm. you've had family you know at some point have experienced it and our experiences come with us like how dare you like what like what's going on in america where this isn't something that's taught i mean even in our public schools here in chicago you know we learn the most about african-american history in february 28 days out of 300 you know what i'm saying maybe out of 365 days we only learn about or 66 depending on the year we only learn about african-american history 28 days but for the rest of that year and the rest of that semester of school we learn about american history 100 percent for sure and 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 it's funny that you bring that up because you know that was a lot of my experience you know and it boggles my mind because now people like oh well that's old you don't have those same values going back to the diversity word because I don't believe there's any true diversity I think it's just like a a blanket statement word to give people warm and fuzzies yeah um but I remember having a conversation um at school uh with a gentleman that I had class with and he was saying he didn't understand why 
at our particular institution, we had to have what we called um, a Miss Black Eite. Oh my God! And so he said that is divisive, and it it, it eliminates or it ex- excludes other women from the category oh because my God. it's hold on wait wait you. wait let's give our let's give our listeners a little backstory so mikhail and i both are graduates of eastern illinois university and at eastern a lot of the experiences b- before our time were pretty much segregated right mm-hmm. so you you had your black letter um greek organizations you had your black organizations on campus that were there to help the black community feel accepted in a town that did not and and still does not (laughs) accept african-american individuals so the is the alphas correct Mm -hmm. okay so the the um alpha phi alpha fraternity incorporated throws a miss black eiu pageant every single year and it gives the african-american female student body an opportunity to be praised not only for their excellence but for their beauty their skill and their hard work to be collegiate women and for somebody to say that it's divisive it's like think about Miss USA or Miss Universe or Miss any of these other competitions where the African American face probably what King Moore what 1990s or or whatever Vanessa Vanessa Williams before they stripped of her title right Mm -hmm. but who was who was there before them nobody exactly so when you think about the history you you this this country was already built on situations like that nobody is excluding your women of color but you've excluded our women of color from almost everything but the thing about it is miss black eiu came about because a black young lady won queen for homecoming and they stripped her of her title yes they would not allow her to be she won queen fair and And square square. but they did not want to give her the title of queen of homecoming yep so because of that the school the 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 um student body and yep. uh, um bsu black yep. student black union created this entity for black women because we were excluded yep. for something we shouldn't have been excluded from yep. i mean we go there and we pay tuition there just like any other student so how dare you um now not allow any student black white green or yellow Mm -hmm. to not participate in something that we pay our money for anyways exactly you know but think about it when we were there a few years ago how many homecomings did we go to probably one how many so how many games did we go to and we probably only went because we knew some of the bad some of the football Football players you know but like homecoming events and things like that like the situation that Kales was just talking about happened years back in the 70s I want to say years before we even got there and even while we were there we still felt the burden of feeling excluded while being in this space and I and I think about I think about just think about like our Greek letter organizations on our you know oh you say like why do we have those either it's like your your but you have those two it's and in yours, your your the school gives more to those, and they try to blanket it like, oh, it's the alumni that funds that. First of all, 
one of the women that I worked for, rest in peace, who was in our, um, who worked in our office there, and I don't want to say the office because people know, but mm. um, she was a part of a sorority on that same campus. Mm. However, she didn't donate money. Mm. When she graduated, it was a done deal. Mm. So I'm like, so what alumni to white sororities and fraternities maybe fraternities but sororities are really giving their money none they're not and then too is like you know our but like the reason why and i had to explain to this gentleman because i know i'm like and i i get that a lot of people like the gentleman you were talking mm-hmm. about the gentleman that i'm talking about are ignorant because they live within their privilege which is a bubble, a bubble and yes. they don't and they don't realize or understand that inequality has taken place and it's happening right under your nose yes and so um i was trying my best to educate him or as to why but it really wasn't clicking and see that's how the white supremacy works right it gives people the opportunity to be ignorant Mm mm-hmm that's how privilege works it gives you the opportunity to be ignorant when you don't have to be Mm -hmm. and especially when a person is trying to educate you and so it's it's it i think too let's i'm gonna just say this going to a predominantly white institution and working in corporate america that is typically predominantly white psychologically is draining yes on a day-to-day basis, it is draining, it's like draining mentally, and then physically it becomes draining. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were there, um, it was a lot of 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 clash. And did you see? You know, I don't know if our um, listeners are familiar with our little school in the middle of the cornfields, but the young man who was a who arrested. was arrested. Yeah, and he was black on the young man on the swim team arrested. I don't. I didn't even want to read the story. I read it. I didn't want to read it. What happened? So they, they were coming. Excuse me. They were coming back from a meet or whatever, and you know they're driving back, and you take breaks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, his coach had him. They got off the bus. He was taking a picture near where whatever the town was near a sign. He has a note, mind you. They're on a bus that says Eastern Illinois University on it. He has on a, his swim jacket that says Eastern Illinois University on it. Fine. While he's standing there, all these cops come up or whatever, sees him. He, he says that, you know, he, does, he did what his father taught him to do. He said he had his phone. He dropped his phone. He put his hands up. He got on his knees or whatever to show that he was non-threatening. He said that they were cussing at him. And, um, then the bus driver saw that what was taking place was going to go left. He said he got off the bus and was like, he's a student, blah, blah, blah. They were like, oh, somebody had, I guess, taken some people hostage or something. So it was basically the same narrative. He looks like a suspect that we're looking for. Anyway, had this young man, you know, belly down, face in the snow, knee in his back, gun to his head. Um, he's tw- he's a young guy, 20 years old. You know, the the bus driver's trying to de-escalate the situation. Everybody's trying to de-escalate it. They pick him up. Um, they detain him for resisting arrest. 
of course, um, had handcuffs on him, was, you know, cursing at him, telling they, the bus driver said that one of the officers told this young man that he was going to blow his effing head off, um, detained him, put him in the back of the squad car, um, looked at his, 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 um, made him get his ID, ran his name and everything. I mean, just a traumatic experience. Very driver, traumatic. The bus driver was saying, you know, how he turned on the lights on the bus to show, like, okay, I mean, clearly you see, you see his right. jacket. Clearly you see the bus. So, he is in the process of suing them. I hope so, and I um, hope he wins. And he, the ACLU is helping him with that. And it's just so sad, and he was just saying how, you know, everyone, his peers, mind you, he's the only black male on the swim team um and he was like you know a lot of his peers have never experienced never had one-on-one connections with black people before and so they were crying they were visibly upset he was trying to console them he's like but over time it just got harder and harder you know he said his he started he was starting to cry but he didn't want to show them that he was crying which is ridiculous right because he has to feel like you know i don't want to be vulnerable but isn't that sad that you can that, that in a in a space where other people are trying well, other people need to console you. You feel like you don't even have the the ability or the opportunity or the space to be like, that fucked me up. Excuse yeah. my language. That fucked me up. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. so and sad. So, oh. and, so, and this is the thing about being black in a white world. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about white spaces, but the white spaces are not just limited to education and the workforce and so you have somebody who you know stayed purposely you know tried to stay on his p's and q's on the right side of the law and he did anything and everything he did what quote-unquote we tell our boys to do so that they can live and and this is what you know he is experiencing and i i know if i was i know his parents have to be upset because you do not send your children to school um, thinking that they would thinking have those that they would have those type of experiences. But some, something happened like that while we were in school too. I don't remember the gentleman. I, I kind of vaguely remember the story, but he was also an athlete, and um, I remember he we we had like this presentation that we were putting together, and he told you know everybody in the presentation that it was a night he was you know he's no he's locally known, mm-hmm. but the police officer like drew a gun on him and he's like i'm i'm an athlete here like you know like run my name do something like please don't shoot me and it's so unfortunate because we we have to teach not only our young boys but we have to teach our young girls too yeah. about the color of your skin and how it comes off to police officers and police officers are trained to be the people that you go to for assistance Mm -hmm. but who but how do you even go to them if you feel afraid of them Mm -hmm. how do you even go to them when they don't even listen to you Mm -hmm. yeah or even when you give them the idea or i mean not the idea i'm sorry but even when you give them the space to be like okay this person is not even threatening they still want to act as if you are how what world are we living in do you understand like i understand that you have you know nwa f the police and things like that but that wasn't a call to be like everybody f the police it's a call to say man y'all messed up like y'all how do we even trust you so you, you know what i'm saying like everybody that's black is not walking around needing to be treated like that 
and but it, I don't care. I don't care if you are a person who committed a crime. Yeah. We in this country have due process. Yep. And so you are not judge jury and executioner exactly that is not your job exactly your job is to go to a call assess what's going on yes and bring it up you uphold the law and the problem is a lot of officers think they're above the law yes and they're not and so you know this goes back to um to segue a little bit but how Back in the day with the Ku Klux Klan and David Duke and his, you know, rebranding the Klan, mm-hmm. you know, sh- telling them, like, take off your hoods and go into, and get a badge and get a badge, not even just a badge. Take off your hoods and go into medicine. You have doctors take off your hood hood and become a lawyer, or become a judge or become, you know, a police officer, or become a fireman yep. or whatever. And in- you infiltrate the system that way. Yep. And so... We already know that, you know, the workforce, education, medical, all these entities um, are rife with racism and white supremacy and um, it and the level of inequality is just ridiculous. And we're talking, we're in 2020. Yep. We're in 2020 and we are having these conversations. This is not... 1955 but you want to know the, the crazy thing about having these conversations is not that they aren't necessary because they are, are necessary however we're having the conversation with people who still don't think that it's necessary no. isn't that crazy like you grow up and you listen to all these things you know in the black community in the black public schools and black private schools you listen to all these things and it's like my god like you know like what like what's really going on in the world where we as the minority are bombarded with all of the sickening truths that have happened to us and nobody seems to care or even want to think how does that affect me as an individual mm-hmm. and the problem with being in all of these white spaces is not so much that oh i hate to cold switch it's a mm-hmm. problem that you have to all the time just because people don't care to understand your experiences yet you're made to care about their experiences because mm-hmm. god forbid i god forbid Tia says anything about anybody who went through the Holocaust, and you know, oh, and you know, when we were in you, school, that was my. You will be um, deemed as a um, what is it called? What do they call anti-Semite? Right, but mm-hmm. I don't feel you. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I, I feel bad for those people who went through the Holocaust because I understand what my people went through. Mm-hmm. However, people who don't understand our experience care way too much about everybody else's experience i'll say that yeah because they're conditioned not to care about black people yeah because the the color black is bad Mm -hmm. (coughs) anti-blackness is 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 so um i I feel like it's it's just it runs deep because you have other quote-unquote minority groups you know being jewish it's identified as a minority uh so a religious minority um because Jew, being a Jew is is a religion. It's not a it's a it's an ethnic religion. It has it's not a race. Yeah. So 
but you can be Jewish, you can be any other nationality or any other ethnic group and still be anti-black. Yeah. And so you have a lot of people that are a part of other ethnic groups that are extremely anti-black. And the and the crazy thing about it is is that if it wasn't for our struggle um, you can have what you, you have. don't we you wouldn't you I mean people you use you know um, civil rights because of black people yep. they use they're able other minority groups are able to use civil rights because of the black off the the backs of, of our precedents we set the precedents yeah. for you to have and experience the things that you are looking to have and experience and it's so 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 unfortunate that everything that we do i mean every every single thing that we do we're never given our credit until somebody else that looks like us comes and give us our gives us our credit when everybody on the back end likes to take and use the things that we come up with i mean this is outside of you know the education about but i was i was just watching one of these awards and think about dapper dan you mm-hmm. know for he's iconic mm-hmm. you you know what I'm saying? he's an iconic fashion designer mm-hmm. and he went to these um caucasian men or you know whoever whoever he went to because he didn't specifically say but he went to these other groups and ask them to assist him in learning how to sew and learning how to do all of these things because he had an eye for fashion and he wanted to learn yet they didn't want to teach him teach himself and give us the experiences that those designers did not want to give us but why because what we did in our music and our branding and everything we made your brands more money yet you don't care about us and that goes back to what we were saying and tying it into um, being black and white spaces is that we we use our talents yes. um, and wit and smarts to elevate certain institutions mm-hmm. that be education or the workspace. Mm-hmm. And we don't get the respect or like you said, oh, the recognition that we deserve. And it just th- makes me think back to when we were in school, how um, people in the town that our school was in thought that black students being there, and they, they didn't you say black students because they said that that would be racially insensitive. Mm-hmm. But, they say, but they would use certain language like, Oh, well, certain students are coming down here from Chicago yep. and they are bringing down the value of the university. So the university has just let anybody come in and, you know, basically there's not enough vetting on who is accepted. And it's like, no, the students that are here are here rightfully because they should be here. Exactly. Like, so... Um, you have people that, you know, come from a bigger city doesn't mean that they're going to ruin your little town. town. And actually, those students made your little town better. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't have those students, you wouldn't have the revenue that you have now. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's one of the, it's like, 
one of those things where when you sit back and you think about it, you're like, man, I wonder if I went to a different school. And by different school, I mean HBCU, what my experience would be. be Because I really think that financially, if it makes sense, I think that black parents should send their students to HBCUs. Absolutely. Listen, listeners, people talk so bad about HBCUs, but some of the smartest African-American men and women that I know went to HBCUs. HBCUs. Mm -hmm. They are some of the smartest go-getting people that I have met. So successful. And very successful. Mm -hmm. And you want to know why? Why I think when when you're at a PWI, you have to work really hard to be seen as better than your counterpart. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you go to an HBCU, you have to be seen as good. Not not that you can't be seen as better. Mm-hmm. But when you have those people who you know that you can come to and say, hey, I'm struggling doing this, I'm struggling doing that, and I'm trying to get to better, mm-hmm. that makes you a better player. That makes you a better person because you know that you can count on that person not to look down on you or judge you mm-hmm. or talk about your experiences or make you feel like you lack or you're less than. Whereas at a PWI, sometimes I felt, sometimes I felt like that was the case. And I remember, you know, um, at the end of my senior year, when we had that senior bar crawl, there was this one girl, and I was in competition with this girl subconsciously because I knew, I knew that I belonged where I was, and I knew that when I walked into a classroom, into a presentation, to a whatever, I knew I was going to kill it because I felt confident in myself. But there was this girl, and I, and I felt like she was always in competition with me, so that made me in competition with her. And on at the bar crawl and I know she was drunk and she probably doesn't remember but I'm not if I ever see her in in person I'm gonna tell her you said it she came up to me and she's like you are the smartest person I know like I was in competition with you because I did not feel good enough whenever I was up against you Mm. and I'm just like oh my god like I'm in competition with you because I don't feel like I'm adequate because I think that you're smarter than me and that you have more experiences than me whereas you're looking at me like this black girl is the shit right and you know and and that's the thing is that we we are like oh my god I love being black Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. and if I once I die and I come back I want to come back like yeah. every time I don't with all the things the trials and tribulations that black people have to go through we are so resilient and we are so amazing and it's like I wouldn't I couldn't see myself being anything else anything else and so you know and that is why and other people from other ethnic groups and um know that they mm-hmm. see they like mm-hmm. they know that black people are the ish because if it wasn't we wouldn't have cultural appropriation yeah you know if they if we wouldn't have you know a lot of the things that we do have if people didn't realize or see the greatness yeah. and black people i mean come on let's just take talk about the translated slave trade the reason yes. why is because you know they like they Use the Native Americans as and enslaved them, killed a lot of them off, um, gave them you know diseases, and then they brought over African people and were able to the diseases that they were giving, living through those, mm-hmm. you know, all the all of the horrific things we were doing, we were coming back 
bigger and better and stronger and it's like they i mean subconsciously that's why we're we're hated quote-unquote so much is because it's a love-hate situation yeah it's like i like you say i'm in competition with you secretly down inside like be right right and you know i don't want i can't say that because that sounds crazy especially for white people that's how white supremacy works you we're supposed to be the superior ones but i can't say that you're great if i think i'm superior to To you and you know and you feel it and it's so it's, it's unfortunate it's just unfortunate the way the world kind of works yeah. It is because I'm not I'm no better than the next white woman, than the next white mother, than the next black woman or the next black black mother, Indian, you know, where whatever you identify with. I'm no better than you. I'm I'm your sister, I'm your friend, I'm I'm your equal. But if you don't see me as your equal, then it's not the it's not me who has the problem mm-hmm. because I'm willing to help you in everything. Like friend, this this People should understand that all people, whether whatever space we in, white people in black spaces, black people in white spaces, we want to be somebody who you can come can come to and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like we want to be that for you because that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed to do. And I think that if people take a step back and stop trying to alienate everybody and put people in boxes and think that, oh, you know, your experiences, you know, really don't matter to me when all experiences should matter to you. If, if you can go out and buy a $1,500 dog and treat it like a human and feed it the finest foods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should be able to respect all life because yeah. you respect life in all animals. You should be able to respect life in all human beings, For and sure. that's just what I'm saying. For sure, I think you know this. We can talk about this all day, forever, forever, and ever. Um, I think this is a, an amazing topic, and we probably will touch on it again. Yes, I do a part two. Yes, uh, part part two. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> on being black and white spaces if you're listening please um go to our instagram at the wind down and you know shout us out and leave us a comment of what you think how you feel what is your experience if you're black in a white space or what is your experience if you're white in a black space i mean For we sure. can we can have that conversation too yeah. so let us know you know it's all different kind of experiences all different kinds of Situations, and we just want to open up the floor to talk about it. You know, it's 2020. It's the year of clear vision. Let's yes, just have clear co- vision. Right? Let's just have clear understanding of everybody, of everybody's experience, of everybody's love, failures, successes. Like, let's just love on each other in 2020. Cause why not? For sure. Why not? So that's it for us here, guys. I'm Tia. I'm Kels. And tune in next week for our next recording. Peace. Bye.